Hello and welcome to Inside Music, episode number 53. I'm your host, James Shotwell, and on this episode, I'm speaking with my good pal Evan, vocalist for Avion Row. Now, I'm sure some of you are already fans of Avion Row, but if not, allow me to give you a little bit of a backstory. The group formed around 2010 in the Dallas area and in 2011 released their debut full-length independent record. It was a good album that received a lot of critical praise as well as support from the music industry at large and allowed the band to do a lot of things like join Warp Tour multiple times as well as tour with acts like Medina Lake and even headline a fair amount of shows on their own. The one thing the group didn't do is release a follow-up. Now, that caused some concern about fans, but the truth of the matter is that Evie and Rowe never stopped working. The group has been constantly in the studio since the release of that album, recording tons of material, but they decided as a group that none of it was quite yet ready for release, and there's a good reason behind that. You see, early on, Avion Rowe realized that they could go one of two ways in their music career. They could write good songs that don't really mean much to them, or they could try to write good songs that had deep personal meanings to them, and they chose to take the latter route. I personally think that's a harder choice, and I respect the hell out of them for giving it a go. I think they've pulled it off. In the fall of 2014, they were contacted by Brett from Epitaph Records, and in the spring of 2015, they decided to sign. That news went public in September of this year, and in October, the group released their four-song debut EP through Epitaph Records. That release also serves as a teaser for Avion Rowe's Epitaph Records full-length debut, which is scheduled to arrive sometime in 2016. In this episode of the podcast, Evan and I talk about the history of Avion Rowe, as well as his personal history in music. He was in a band, Red Car Wire, that was signed to Universal before Avion came into being. And we also talk about what it's like to sign with a label like Epitaph, how that changes your life, and also how it stays the same. There's a lot of things that have been happening in the world of Avion Row over the last few months that to an outsider may seem like decisions made to better appeal to music fans. But in truth of the matter, the guys of Avion Row have been controlling their own fate and destiny for as long as anyone can remember. And that seems like it's going to continue to be the case moving forward. There is nothing manufactured about this band or their sound. They are who they are 100% of the time. And I think that, that really comes through when you hear Evan talk about himself as well as his bandmates and how they have handled their career. If you're somebody that works in the music industry, I'm sure you're going to get a kick out of hearing, you know, the frustrations of a newly signed band. But if you're somebody that work that doesn't work in the industry and is just kind of a fan of music, you might find some very interesting takeaways here. You know, when a, when a band signs with a record label, there's a lot of great things that happen to them. But one of the drawbacks sometimes can be that, you know, you don't really get to set the timeline anymore. When things are going to happen, when things should happen, those are decisions that are made usually by someone else and you kind of have to go with it. And that's a little bit of the position Avion Rowe is in right now. Their EP came out in the fall and they didn't have any tour dates, so they've kind of been lying low waiting for the new year to begin so they can start a big promotional push into this new record. Evan and I talk about all this and a whole lot more. I've been fortunate enough to know of this band and know these guys for the for about three years now, and this is the first time we really got to dig into what makes them tick. So whether you're a fan or somebody who's just listening because you like the podcast, which I very much appreciate, I think you're going to take a lot away in this episode. Before we get any further, I do want to extend a big thank you. This is the last episode of 2015 for Inside Music. Of course, it was dropping on December 30th, so that's probably pretty obvious at this point. But regardless, we were able to record way more episodes this year than we were in 2014. And my hope is that we can do even more in 2016. And we can have some bigger guests and, you know, just bigger conversations. I don't care how famous or unfamous the person that I'm talking to is. I just want to provide you with some good insight into the realities of the music business. I think this episode nails it. And with Avian Rowe having all this steam going into 2016, it's kind of a perfect fit. 
The sponsor for this week's episode is Holix, the internet's leading digital promotional distribution company. What Holix does is work with record labels, publicists, and independent artists to make sure music stays secure ahead of its intended release date. Should leaks occur, Holix has a unique set of tools that are designed specifically to combat online piracy. It's second to none in the world, and I cannot recommend you try it enough. For more information on Holix and access to a free 30-day trial, visit www.holix.com. That's www.haulix.com. I also want to mention that our podcast has a Twitter account, at InsideMusicPod. That's at InsideMusicPod. We're going to post updates about upcoming guests, as well as field questions about current guests. If you have something you want to ask Evan that maybe we don't cover in this episode, tweet it at us, and I will make sure that it gets asked and answered by the man himself in the next couple of days. He's already agreed, so fire him at us. I also want to push our blog, Holix Daily, H-A-U-L-I-X Daily.com, which is where we post daily advice columns for music professionals as well as musicians. I think that's everything I have to cover, but just in case I didn't make it clear enough yet, Avion Road do have a four-song EP on iTunes right now. It is incredible, and it is well worth your time, and I'm about to play a little bit of it before we get into this episode. During the conversation, you'll hear Evan and I discuss a song called Sing Me to Sleep, and that is where the music for this episode is coming from. So if you like what you hear, head to iTunes and support Avion Row. That's all I have, so I'm going to play a little music, and we'll get to the conversation. Thank you so much for playing along with Inside Music in 2015, and I hope we have a brilliant 2016 together. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show. Do you feel out of place if I sleep through this moment So how so uh, you guys just had all this crazy weather? How are you? Is everyone safe and secure? I think yeah, everybody's doing good. Um, Sean's family lives out near where some of the tornadoes were, and, uh, and it was it was pretty crazy. I actually got a phone call from him in the middle of it, and he's like, "Man, my mom's hiding in the closet." I was like, "Oh shit, man, where where are you?" He's like, "Oh, I'm outside. I'm looking for it." Um, it's real crazy. The truth is people in Texas are used to crazy weather and sh- like sh- real big shifts in weather just dramatically. And I mean, it snowed two days ago. I was getting snow off my girlfriend's car and today it's 75 degrees and I have a tank top on. It's just kind of how it goes, but everyone's safe. And, uh, and yeah, we're good, man. So it's, it's kind of been a crazy fall for you guys. I mean, I think that's putting it lightly. Putting it lightly. Yeah. Putting it lightly. Uh, we'll get into the epitaph thing down the road, but I do want to know like, what what have you guys been up to the last few weeks? Because the EP comes out in October, and you know you guys have all this kind of hype going into the release of the EP that kind of like announces your presence. But on the national scene, it doesn't seem like you've been all that busy, you know, in the time since then. So what have you guys been working on like the last few weeks? Well, I think you're exactly right, and the reason for that is that we haven't hit the road yet. Um, the reason we put the EP out right now is to start the buzz. It's not a secret. Um, it's not an industry. 
um, secret that I can't tell. It's just the truth. We want to start the buzz, and next year we're putting out the album, and we're going to hit the road. And that's when it'll start to feel like we're the name on everybody's lips. That's the, that's the plan, and I think that's how it's going to play out. Um, as of now, it does suck. We're home in, in Dallas, and we're not touring, and we don't want to overplay Dallas. I've got a show coming up in January on the 3rd, but we're, we're trying not to overplay Dallas. Um, truthfully, we've just been writing the next record. I'm just, I mean, as a band and as people, we're always writing. So we've probably got maybe like 13 or 14 songs written for the next, next record. I mean, not our next one, but the one after that, you know, um, yeah. maybe that's jumping the gun a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure by the time it's, you know, I'm sure by the time it gets time to really re- write it, we'll think all these songs suck, but that's what we're doing to keep ourselves from, you know, going crazy anyway. And just honing our craft, you know, like you can always get better at what you're doing. That could be a better singer. You could all be better instruments. So just practicing, getting better, man. And truthfully, getting better live. We were such a terrible live band for so long. Um, and our energy made people not care. Um, it's all we knew how to do. So we just put a ton of energy to make up for it. But we couldn't, I, don't, I didn't have good hearing, have damaged hearing. We couldn't hear on stage. We sounded terrible. But um, we've combated it. We figured out how to come, come overcome it, basically. I got in ears and we play the metronome now. And, we sound bigger and tighter and stronger and faster than we ever have. So, um, yeah, bigger, stronger, faster. But, but things are good, man. We're just staying busy and um, trying not to go crazy a little bit. It's funny that you've noticed that we've just kind of been sitting at home. And it, that's exactly what it is. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that that tends to be what happens in the situation where you do like the EP to announce yourself, and then yeah. unless you hop on a tour right away, that's yeah. that's the next thing that happens. Is you sit around for a while. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Got to sit at home, you know. Got to sit at home. Got to sit at home. We'll get we'll get back to the EP. Let's 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 retrace because it's it's one of those things where like I've known you and I have known each other for a long time, and I know of you guys for a long time, so the story is pretty familiar to me. But I feel like there's still a lot of people who might have heard the EP or at least heard the single and don't really have like a lot of frame of reference for like what you guys do or how long you've been doing it before you get to Epitaph. Um. Um. Yeah, so I don't, so I don't, know. I don't know necessarily where to start, but I mean, I guess the easiest place you guys start in 2011. But before that, you like people might recognize you from Red Car Wire. I've seen people recognize sure. you for Red Car Wire. <laughs> it's funny every time it comes up because I think what people don't realize is that was my high school band, um, and a lot of people's high school bands don't get national notoriety. And it's almost like it used to like almost irk me when people bring it up. I was like, I would be like, oh no, not that because everybody kind of like loathes their high school self a little bit, but it's part of, you know, the story. And it's, it's a cool part. I was 19 when we got our record deal on universal records. I mean, that's, that's pretty fucking cool. And looking back, I'm glad that it happened. It was a weird road and um, it's not how I would have written the story, but I'm glad that it played out the way that it did. Um, learned a lot about the industry, about music, about what I wanted to be as a musician and how we wanted to be perceived. And, um, that's not something that someone can tell you and you hear it and learn it. It's something that you need to go get your hands dirty and do. And um, that's how we learn best anyway, me and my friends. So that's what we did. As far as our band, um, yeah, we've been in the band since 2011. Um, and obviously we've been, been in bands way before that. I think something a lot of people don't know is we're all really young looking guys. Um, I'm 27. Our bass player is older than me. So, I mean, we're <laughs> I tell them we're seasoned veterans. We've been playing music, music a long time. We've got a lot of life experience. Our drummer has a baby. I say he's a baby. He's a toddler now. He's oh, yeah. four he's, soon. He was a baby the last so, time I saw him. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's growing so fast. And so the point is, we have a lot of life experiences. Um, and uh, anyway, we've yeah, like we've been in the, in the scene for a long time. And 
when our band first came out, we put out a record called The Art of Fiction. And um, it was re- really well received, I thought. People seemed to, to like it. It didn't, um, it didn't truly have its own voice. It was some good songs with some good musicianship, but kind of the same message that you heard from other bands in the past, um, which is where a lot of bands' first records start. You know what I mean? If you're being honest, like who doesn't maybe start sounding like people when they start? You know, you kind of should. Um, and that's fine. So, but anyway, it got us a little bit of notoriety. We got on the Dance Warped Tour a couple times and we started making what I call a cult fan base. We had these people that just really believed in our band. I mean, we're getting tattoos of our band. We're talking to us any chance we got. And we just thought, man, we're so damn lucky to have this because we had just been in a band where they didn't have it, that we just really took to our fans and really stayed really, uh, we communicated a lot with them and just stayed really vocal with them. And, um, you know, tried to support them as much as they can, as much as we could, because they've always been supportive of us. And through that, um, when kind of that album cycle felt like it finished to us, we had like a moment of like, maybe clarity, but more so a moment of realization where we realized, okay, what are we to the world? And if we blew up today, or not blew up, if we broke up today, I guess, would anyone care? And I think what we felt like is we don't have our own message. We're not a thing to the world. We're not a piece of this bigger puzzle because no one cares what we have to say because we haven't said anything special yet. So the biggest thing we've ever done for our band ever is figuring out our message, figuring out how we wanted to say and what we, what we wanted to say and how we wanted to say it. And when we figured that out, we wrote and recorded ourselves. We wrote and recorded um, our new record in separation. And we did it ourselves. We, um, we had a two-story house we rented and we all had jobs and, and we just recorded it ourselves. And we sent the demos around to a ton of record labels. And, um, and we got a lot of just some of the weirdest reviews I've ever heard, man. Like, um, man, I'm not going to say what label said what, because I don't know. Of course, of course. One, one label told us, your songs are really good and your singer is really strong, but we don't want to sign it. That's what they said to us. And so we were That's left great. with the feeling of, well, why the hell not? <laughs> you know, like, um, and it's not that you need a record label, first of all, to be successful anyway, because you don't. But, you know, the music will always be there without labels, and the, the opposite isn't true. But it felt like for us, we want to reach a large number of people, um, and we don't have the distribution without it. It felt like, anyway, for us, it felt like the best vessel. So we made that decision. And so we're sending around the labels, and we got a lot of weird stuff like that, things like... Um, we really like it. Um, we don't think kids will. That's what one label told us. Um, one label, they were so good to us. I'll go ahead and say it. Red Bull Records is an awesome record label. And we really talked to them really seriously for a while. And there's a guy over there named Kenny uh, who got our band and loved it and was so supportive. And to the point of like the entire Red Bull Records staff was having a meeting about us and He's the head A&R and their president, the president of their label came down who never makes this decision and says, let's not sign him. I don't want a rock band right now. And it just felt like that. I remember when that happened, thinking that there's, there's no chance. Maybe, maybe the songs are good. Maybe our message is good and the timing's wrong and it's just never going to happen for us. Sometimes things like that are out of your control. And I remember it was real sure. discouraging mm-hmm. and um, it felt like, maybe it's just not going to happen for us. And, and that wasn't, it was heartbreaking, but it wasn't career ending for us. We were like, um, I think it was just a, a group of guys that plays music for ourselves too. You know, it's not just for fans or anything. We love playing music. We'd be doing it if we were the only four people on the earth. 
so for us it was like well let's just go ahead and put the record out ourselves <laughs> you know and so anyway we finished out the songs and we thought let's go ahead and play a concert for our fans online so that people because we always get asked maybe it's because our name sounds weird which it's, it's avion row by the way everybody says avian or something uh, yeah so it's avion <laughs> but i think having a foreign sounding name gave us a lot of um foreign fans we have a lot of Mex- uh, like hispanic fans in mexico and uh in portugal and just like all over the place which is really cool i love that we break um some like the country's walls down i love that but anyway we wanted to be able to reach our fans all over the world so we thought the best thing we could do is play an online show people can get tickets and watch us from their computer wherever they are and this is so embarrassing but we like for two days tried to figure out how to make the technological side of it work and we could not get it to work we couldn't get the audio to show up or we could get the audio and then not the video i mean for two days straight and i had like my geekiest friends over trying to help and like we just could not do it it was just not in the cards for us so we had to cancel it and we refunded the tickets and we, you know we said guys we're sorry you know told them the truth just said that we tried and couldn't figure it out and um anyway to kind of make amends and, and just say thank you for everybody's patience we put out a song called Genesis and tears um and uh our manager nick schaefer you know he got it on uh alternative press their website and that's where it fell into the ears of Kellen Quinn. And I remember laying on a bed, um, feeling fucking discouraged, just literally in the middle of the day, laying on a bed, looking at a ceiling. And I got a text from our bass player. He said, did you see who tweeted at us? And I was like, no. So I went and checked it out and it says at Kellen Quinn. And like the first, when you first see that, and this guy's got over a million followers, when you first see that, you assume that it's a fan with a similar name. Yeah, exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, you're like, surely it's not Kellen Quinn. Yeah, like Kellen Quinn and 1 then, or something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, or spelled weird or something. Yeah, or 1N or something. But yeah, no, exactly. it was. It was Kellen Quinn. And <laughs> I was like, shit. I was like, okay, what do, I, what do I say back? You know, as nervous as anybody would be. You know, you don't want to screw it up or say the wrong thing. So I just did what has always worked for us. And I was just honest. I said, hey, man, thanks for the support. We're recording a new record. I'll keep you in the loop. And said something I'm pretty sure maybe that was it was exactly that he just said very cool man well um, I love what you're doing and I was like cool man yeah if you want to know more just direct message me and he did and you know Twitter turned into emails emails turned into phone calls and he just really liked what we were doing and I started sending him more songs and um, the more songs I sent the more he stuck his teeth into it and he believed in it and he just was really excited to hear something that he thought was fresh um and it couldn't have come at a better time for us it was a time like where i said i was laying in a bed looking at a ceiling um so exactly. it just it was when we hit our absolute last wall we're, we're the kind of band that has overcome like every obstacle that's been thrown at us that we thought should stop our band we have said you know fuck it this is a test let's be stronger than it and it was almost i mean it was about at the breaking point when he came in and i've told him that and he believed in it and he didn't necessarily set out to say, I'm going to advocate for your band or I'm going to make you guys famous or any of this. It wasn't that. It was, I like your music. Um, and it was originally like, I'll, maybe I'll take you guys on tour. And we were just happy that someone got it. And I think the point that the reason that I've always justified it is all these labels, all these suits, as I call them, heard our band and thought, how can we sell this? Who do we sell this to? How can we make money on this? They didn't get it. Kellen didn't think about that. He heard it and he thought, this is a good song. This is a band with a cool sound. That's what he was listening for. It's what the labels weren't listening for. And just to, to have somebody get it like that, 
was worth more than any record deal could have been. And it, I don't know, it felt literally life-saving to me to feel that from someone else, especially someone as respected as him. And anyway, so the story goes on and I sent him into the rest. And I said, listen, man, I said, you know, I've been talking for a while. I was like, I don't know the politics behind it. And I was going to ask Juliet Sims to sing on the song, but I'd, I'd rather you do it. Um, now that I have a you know, connection with you and I love your voice, I'd love your voice to be on it. And I mean, he emailed me right back and said, yeah, let's do it. Love the song. And it's just been like a hurricane since then, man. It's like, it's a blur. It's like the best blur of my life too. I just, from there on, we showed it to, he, well, he showed it to Epitaph for us. And I got a phone call from Brett in December of 2014. Wow. And he said, hey man, he said, we're about to, um, he said, today's my last day at the office before holiday break. This is about a year ago, December 14th last year. So a little over a year ago. He said, I'm about to go on break for the holiday, um, but I'll be calling you on January 5th when I get back. And I would love to make you an Epitaph recording artist. And I said, absolutely. I said, whatever we have to do, man. I said, I love your record label. And I meant that. It wasn't because the other record labels had turned us down or desperation or felt like there was no one else. I would have picked his over anybody. If everyone had said yes, I'd have picked Epitaph. So proud of the label that we're on and the people that we work with. Um, it's the people that I would do business with and it's people that I respect. And um, anyway, I know I feel like I'm probably rambling at this point. You can ask for some backstory and I'm kind of giving you everything. But, no, no, you're fine. Um, we'll pick it apart. That's cool. It's hard to, yeah, it's hard to not just talk about it all at once because it, it's been this crazy story. And he did just that. He got back in January, he called me and he said, man, I like the first record. I think it's, I think it's cool, but I love the new record. He said, and I think people will love the new record. And I said, I think so too, man. So we put our hearts and our souls into it. And I just want people to get it so badly. And he said, they will. So um, he put us in with uh, Chris Crummett, who's a phenomenal record producer. Um, you know his work. You know his work, even if you don't know it, you know his work. And uh, God, it just couldn't have been a better fit. I mean, uh, from day one, we walked into him, his, his uh, studio, and he just got it, helped us take what was a good record and make it into what I feel is a great record and uh, I still remember the day Kellen Quinn walked in did his vocals in what feels like 20 minutes and walked out and it's just been a crazy ride after that we went and shot the video in LA and uh, like I said then we've had some downtime and now I'm talking to you but it's it's all such a crazy blur I can imagine and it feels like it went by so fast but it, yeah it's slow motion <laughs> at the same time it's just been crazy you know um I want to get into all the epitaph stuff and that, but I want to go back a little. So, how would you compare? I guess how how you're feeling about your relationship with Epitaph to how you felt when Universal came around in your Red Car Wire days? Do you feel like you're in a better position because you know more about the industry now than you did back then? A little, you can't really get played the way that you might have back in the day. Okay, so I heard most of that. You broke up a oh, little bit. Sorry. <laughs> um, you're good. Comparing, how would you compare like the way you feel about this relationship with Epitaph to how you felt? during your short time with Universal back in the day? Um, truthfully, I try not to compare them. It was mm -hmm. two experiences at two different points in my life. Um, my first band shouldn't have got a record deal. We weren't ready. Um, and that's okay. <laughs> but, you know... It's just, it's you can admit that now. It's been a few years. Yeah, it's not a secret. You know, yeah, we shouldn't have had a record deal. There's bands that were definitely, I thought, were way better than us that didn't have them. Yeah. And, um, I actually and went... That's okay. Um, I try not to compare the two, but this is what feels right. Um, and it never really felt right the first time to me. Um, 
And just to back up a little bit, I didn't feel like I got played on Universal. I felt like I was it was premature. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what Universal heard was probably strong songwriting from 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 me, and that's what they were signing was we got a songwriter here, um, and that's fine. But I don't. I never feel like I got played. I feel like I was it was premature. I was immature. Uh, we all were. We just we were kids. Like I said, I was a teenager. We weren't ready. And this is the right thing at the right time. It doesn't always land that way, but when it does, it's beautiful. And um, like I said, yeah, I'm. We're ready for it this time. We're gonna hit the ground running, and we're gonna make some noise. So, so you and Josh, you and Josh do Red Car Wire together. And where do you find? Where do you find Sean and Jordan? So where do those guys come from when you're forming the band? Because I know you and Josh go back, but where where did you get the other two from? And then how, like, did it just click as soon as you guys came together? So, okay, it's a funny story because we've known Sean. I've known Sean eight or nine years at this point. Oh, wow. It's been so long. So he was our guitar tech in Red Car Wire. And if you look at, like, the very first Red Car Wire music video, he's actually in it. He has green hair. And he's okay. just always been our friend, man. He's just always the best dude, so motivated, and um, always had a real good ear for music. But he wasn't always a musician. Um, this whole time we were touring with Red Car Wire, and we did a lot of tours, um, he didn't play an instrument. He was just teching for us. But it's hard to not pick it up a little bit when you're out there, when it's your everyday life. Um, but more so than, than knowing his instrument, he learned okay, well, this is when a chorus should be big. This is when you should have a teaser chorus. This is when you need a post-chorus. This is when you need, you know, an outro or an intro or a verse or some songs need a third verse. He understood music um, and, and and how to make people feel during music. And that's almost something that can't be taught. I said, I can teach you how to play bass. He's like, all right, cool. So we literally went out and bought him a bass and I just gave him lessons. I mean, it was, it's that simple. And... um and he learned it's not the hardest instrument you know yeah he learned and but he already knew what to bring to the band beyond his instrument um and he had you know he was in our band um in 2011 when we put out the first record which jordan was too but he's not on the first record jordan kind of joined after we recorded it which a lot of people don't know all right yeah actually i did all the guitars on the first record um and I remember, it's so funny, we had this really, really crappy house. We like to rent houses a lot because we can all live in them together for cheap. So we rented a house in 2011 where we wrote the first record. And I remember sitting on the roof. It was a one-story house. And uh, Josh and I would go sit on the roof. And I remember looking out into the distance uh, and just there's this water tower out there. And I just remember looking out at it and just thinking, like, where the hell are we going to find another guitar player and another guitar player that can sing? And Josh came up on the roof and I just expressed that to him. And he said, maybe it's one person. He said, maybe we don't need to be a five piece band. Um, the used was a band that we always looked up to because they had one guitar player and Quinn Allman made it sound like an orchestra of guitars. And I wasn't sure I believed that there was another person out there like that. Um, and it was just crazy. And so anyway, when Red Car Wire, um, when we left Universal, we had had auditions to be in our band because we wanted to keep it going just because we love music. And um, one of the first auditions that we got was this kid named Jordan sent us a video. And I remember thinking he was really good to the point where I saved the video in my, uh, like an archive in my email. Oh, wow. I still had it. And the only reason he didn't join the band then is because we found someone in Texas and he lived in Pittsburgh. I mean, that's the only reason we didn't call him in 2009. So at this point, it was kind of like, hey, let's go back through some of those old 
auditions and see if maybe someone someone clicked or someone you know was good or we feel like would be right for this and I watched this audition and it was just one of those moments where your eyes dilate and your hair stands up on your neck and you're like fuck this would be cool if we could get this person and you get excited and you fantasize about what life could be like if things fall exactly how you want them and I live for those moments and and that's and, and like just like chasing what I want like I love that so I called him I had his, I had his number in there. actually excuse me I emailed him and I said hey man um my name's Evan. I was in, I was in that band Red Car Wire that you tried out for. And um, I just told him the truth. Once again, just said, you know, I said the band fell apart and we're starting something new and it's from scratch. It's not going to be easy. It's going to involve a lot of grinding, but if you love music, I'd love to send you some demos if you're interested. And he'll tell you the story differently than me because he said that he had basically kind of been at the point in his life where he was like, okay, I need to quit music and go to school because I'm never going to make it. He comes from a real small town, very, rap and metal influenced nobody understood why he was wearing skinny jeans and nobody thought it was cool that he was playing rock songs you know and he kind of had given up on his end and he actually never even checked that email anymore it was an accident that he opened it and he found it and we got on the phone and i remember the first phone call i ever had i was so nervous it was like calling a girl for the first time like i was genuinely nervous i just wanted him to be the one and uh, I told him what we were doing, and I told him that it's not going to be easy. So we don't have a label. It's not something you can walk into that will be successful. Um, and, and he said he understood, and I said, I said you're going to have to move to Dallas if you do this. And he just said, absolutely, I'm going to. And he did, man. He came, down, uh, he came down for a weekend after that and hung out for a weekend, and it just felt like the brother that I never had. Uh, and it, it was just the perfect fit. Finding good guitar players is a dime a dozen. Finding good singers is easier than that. Just go on YouTube. But finding someone that you click with and you think, I, I can I respect this person. I want to be around this person. They make me a better musician. Like, that's what you can't find. And we found all of that in one person that clicked with all of us. It just, I mean, it was unreal. It's another thing where, like, what was supposed to happen happens. And so it's part of the story that I couldn't write that just happened. And he was the missing piece, man. As soon as we had that, all bets were off. We, you know, I just said, I said, if you're cool, let's put out this, you know, put out this first record without you on it. I said, you can be in the pictures. We don't really say Jordan recorded the guitars on the record. It wasn't supposed to be like a lie or anything. I was like, just let people think you did them. I mean, like, no one's going to care. And he played them all live. He's better than me anyway. You know, like, like no one's going to care. So, um, that's how we found the people for our band. And, <laughs> and it worked. I haven't talked about it in a long time. And yeah. it's definitely the first time I'm talking about it in an interview, and it's cool to talk about. All right, so basically, you and I, so you guys put out the record in 2011, and you and I meet like a year later, and you guys already had some other material recorded, some stuff that you haven't even released still. Um, but I think that a lot of it fell under that category that you mentioned earlier, where it was like you were writing good songs, but you weren't necessarily you know, like saying anything in your own way or being like unique, standing out in some way. I remember that you even were like told me some of them. You are like, these are what I think people want to hear. They weren't like, yeah. this is what I want to say. Yeah, so exactly. how did you, okay, what was the conversation like within the band to be like, okay, we need to have our own message. And then what did you ultimately settle on as being like, this is why we're a band. This is what we're trying to do. So this is a great question. First of all, I know exactly what you're talking about. And those songs that you're referring to, um, we even played some of them live and we were just kind of testing the waters with them. And it's not that we didn't like them, but you hit the nail on the head. It wasn't exactly our message. And I think we all knew that. Um, and that happens for bands. Sometimes after a record, you, you write some test songs to see what direction you could go in next. And 
Um, as far as what conversation we had with the band, it's not like you sit down at a desk and say, okay, guys, meeting time. What do you want to sound like? It's months and months and years in our case of recording and saying, well, I like this. This sounds like what I want to say. And, um, or, you know, trying this and saying, that's not what I want to sound like, or this has been done or someone else sounds like this. Someone said this already and did well with it or, or didn't do well with it, you know? Um, so for us, it was a lot of trial and error. It wasn't always an easy, easy conversation, but it goes back to having the right people in your band, people that I've known, you know, eight or nine years, like Josh and uh, Sean, or people like Jordan that are real good communicators and honest people that can tell you you can do better than that or you're not good enough and, and mean it from their heart. Um, and having a lot of honest conversations. And um, after what feels like years of conversations about it, we figured out the sound of the next record through trial and error. So it was more of getting our hands dirty and um, and, and just ex- experimenting and writing than it was a conversation. Because I don't think any of us knew which direction we wanted to go in. Um, and it's easier to say where you don't want to go than where you do. Because more often than not, you want to go somewhere that hasn't, hasn't been seen yet or heard yet in this case. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, it, it's something that just, it's a conversation that happens every year and is more for us being hands-on than an actual conversation. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just curious because, you know, I, I heard the re- Into the Rest along with everybody else and I'm coming from a place where I've heard all of this other material where I'm like, okay, I think I know where the band is trying to go and then I hear this song and I'm like, oh, okay, so I was wrong. And not in like a well, bad okay. way, but you, but you definitely, there's like, you know, uh, there, it is different than the trajectory that I, I kind of initially would have guessed. And it's not that it's a bad thing, but I was like, okay, well, how did they sure. get to this point from where they were? So I think one thing to keep in mind too, that a lot of people, I think people want to fit you into a box, especially when you're a younger band and they don't know your voice yet. They want to say, oh, you sound like this. Oh, you're this kind of band. You're this. That's why we have what's called subgenres now. It wasn't a musician that made that up. Yeah. Um, that was, you know, that was marketing or a fan or iTunes or something, but, um, you have to understand into the rest. I love that song, but that's one twelfth of our next record. And the one thing we've always been is a versatile band. There's, there's some heavy songs on the next record. There's some straightforward rock songs. There's some songs with no drums. I mean, there's, I mean, we, there's everything on the next record, everything you hear one twelfth of it. So, and I understand what you're saying and you're, and you're right. Yeah. It's probably not where I thought anyone thought we would have gone. Um, but it's also why it made a cool first single. Um, it was Definitely. it was to kind of reinvent what it means to be Avion Rowe. Yeah, and I like that because I hear it, you know, as somebody that likes the band, I hear it and I walk away and it, and it kind of makes me sit with it a little longer because if you just gave me like a Who I Am or like a version Part of... Two. Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if you did like Say Goodbye as a single, I would have been like, oh, well, this makes sense because it's like, it sounds like yep. what I think they would do. But then I hear this and I kind of walk away and I have to like think about it. I have to be like, okay, well, this is not what I expected, but I like it. Does it work? Like, I mean, if you wanted to do 12 songs like that, I feel like you could, but it definitely made it kind of resonate with me more as a fan because I did have to like digest it as opposed to just being like yep this is what i like yeah no very much so was it so was that why you chose to go with it as the as the single was it the fact that it would keep people on their toes or was it the kellen angle which obviously has some marketability to it i think it's both Mm -hmm. um it's great to have kellen quinn's voice in your band (laughs) of course an extreme talent you know yeah and uh and 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 it holds a lot of respect in the industry but even more so than his voice it's 
the message of the song is real positive and it was a new direction. So there's a lot of reasons why it made sense to be the first single. Is that, would you say that's the most recently written song on the EP? Because I know Sing Me to Sleep, you've kind of been kicking around for a while. So what, what, what are, um, are the other two as more recent or? So When the Sun Burns Out is one of the very first ones that we wrote. Um, Sing Me to Sleep, it's, you have to understand, it's like coming off of like over two years ago writing this record. Yeah, um, it's crazy. So it's been dormant. A lot of our fans are like, what's going on? Is the record even coming out? Yeah, it is. But when you get a record deal, a lot of politics come into it and they make you sit. It's not, you know, yeah. if it was up to the lead singer, we put it out. But exactly. um, you just got to go through some hoops and that's cool. And and it's the reason we actually put out the EP. Um, our record deal doesn't even have an EP in it. Um, it has an album in it. We did an EP because we didn't want our fans to have to wait any longer. Um, and Epitaph is just a really cool label and understood that. And they said, well, what if we do this for you, you know? And uh, just another reason why they're awesome. But anyway, the point is... Um, into the rest is possibly maybe the most recent thing on there, but it's all from the same collection of songs. It's all from the same snapshot in time where we decided to write this single message of perseverance. And uh, it's definitely not the most recent thing on the record. Um, if you listen to the whole album, uh, there's songs, a song called The Great Distance, and that's the last song that we wrote for the album. Um, and it's actually one of my favorites, maybe because it's the newest, but... Um, into the rest is like we didn't write it to have a Kellen Quinn single and put it out. It's really not yeah. talking about. Which I think is a, something that people could form an assumption about because when you see a band come out with like a sure. big p- collaboration, you're like, oh, clearly they wrote a collaboration single, which would make yeah, sense. That, yeah, it's really not how it happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, you know, I like the theme of the EP. The perseverance, perseverance theme is good, and I think the four songs—they're all different enough that I feel like you get a good taste of everything you guys can do without feeling like you know what to expect from the record. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, there's still some tricks up our sleeve, definitely too. But, um, but yeah, it's a good, that's a good, delicate way to put it. How many are? Do all four songs appear on the full length or just into the rest? Yes. Oh, all four. Okay. All, all, yeah, all four are on the full length album. All right, so that means we've heard like a third of it. Yeah, it's a third of it, yeah. And I think there's two bonus songs. I don't know what the plan is for them, so don't hold me to it, but there are two bonus songs. Uh, but but the album's done. The album's done, man. That's crazy. Yeah. How is it for you to just be sitting on a record? And yeah, I'm sure you get tweets every day that's like, well, when are you guys going to do something? And you're like, I yeah, have it right so here. Bad. Like, I want to, you know, and it's like, you kind of don't want to tell people that you're just sitting on it because then they start asking why. And you have to say, well... Because the music industry, yeah, the industry. is political, and there's little, <laughs> literally legal stuff that you have to go through. You have to go through publishing. You have to go through lawyers. It's not as easy as putting up an iTunes like you can when you're an independent band. Um, but, I, you know, gun to my head, that's the truth. We are sitting on it, um, and it's going to be fucking cool when it comes out. I can't wait, too. I want it to be out as bad as our fans do, probably more. Um, but, it, yeah, it feels weird to be sitting on an album. Um, and I haven't, I haven't even listened to it in a long time. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, I know. So I'm trying to, because I think when it comes out, I want to maybe have like a listening party or just in my car, just listen to it again. But it, it's been a while, but I remember being really proud of it. Yeah, well, it, you know, it's it's interesting for me because I've always kind of lived vicariously through Nick, your manager, who's like been in the studio with you for so long and been like, dude, yeah. we're working on this cool song. And then, you know, there's all, I'm always like, yeah, they've got something brewing. And your your brew has taken a lot longer than I think maybe like early adopters of Avian Row would have expected. 
Yeah. Or wanted. Or wanted. I guess maybe wanted is the better word. But it's it's yeah. strange because there are bands who would take a lot of time, but you guys are the opposite case. And I think that's really what I kind of drew me the idea of doing an interview with you is because I've, I've always been like amazed because you're one of the bands that I know of that's always doing something, even if it doesn't seem like it like in a public-facing way. Like you guys are always working yeah. on something. Yeah, we always I always have a project on the table or I'll go crazy and I always tell the guys every now and then, I say, you know, listen, we're off the radar right now, but it doesn't mean we're not working. Um, <laughs> I like that. It's off true. Yeah, it's kind of hit the nail on the head. It's, we always do have a project in front of us, whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just I'm just ready for 2016. If anybody else is like <laughs> it's me, I'm just ready for the fucking year. So what are the themes that we can expect on this album? If the EP is Perseverance, I'll take it that that's one of the themes of the record, but what else What else are you talking about on this album? Oh, man, it's, uh, like I said, the versatility would be, if I had to choose one word, it's the real versatile album, but as far as themes, uh, it does talk about love a lot, but uh, I chalk it up to not being a boy-girl story. I mean, it's about, about loving yourself or not loving yourself, about hating yourself, and uh, more than anything, it's about finding yourself because that's what I think the four of us did this year or over these last few years while we're writing it, excuse me. Um, and I think Josh having a child was real eye-opening. And um, like I said, perseverance would be a big theme drive. I mean, with what we've been through and how we've come out on the other side stronger than ever and in a better place than ever, it's hard to not have a um, you know a record with a, with a positive message. But, uh, you know, just like a person, it's not black and white and there's a it's it's spherical you know there's a full range of emotions on this album and that's what i'm most excited about i think there's something on it for everybody i really do i i mean i agree so far i mean i don't i don't know the other eight songs but i assume that they're they're good because i I trust you (laughs) i appreciate that um you know i i talked about this on twitter this week anyone that follows the podcast on twitter and stuff knows this but I, I've really fallen in love with Sing Me to Sleep. As much as I respect Into the Rest as a single, I think Sing sure. Me to Sleep is, there's something really special about it to me. And I think when you go back to that topic of love and how this album isn't just boy, girl, like that's what draws me to the song because it is such a deeply layered love song. In a, in its we should way. talk about the lyrics. Yeah, let's talk about the lyrics. Let me tell you what happened. So okay. I've been listening to this record since, I don't know, like the few days before it came out, whenever Nick or Christina Epitaph got it to me. And I was like, sure. I, I dug it at first. And, you know, you don't always sing along with an album right away. You're just like, oh, that's good. That's That was enjoyable. Yeah. I'm like, I know those guys. And they, they did what they do. And I'm, I'm proud of them. And then the, like that song kept getting stuck in my head. And I would be driving around and I would sing. Like I got, I would sing along and I would get desperate for you. And I would get the next line. And then you have this big voice that allows you to do all these cool things vocally, but sometimes it makes it real hard to understand what's coming out of your mouth. You uh, put that so nicely. Thank yeah. you for like trying to like sugarcoat that. Yeah, I have terrible diction. Well, it happens with a lot of people. That. I mean, I feel like early circus, <laughs> early circus survive records have a similar problem. Like Anthony Green has an amazing voice, but part of that amazing voice comes with like you like the way it sounds, even if you don't understand it's what it's saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think true music, the music that you fall in love with, some of my favorite songs, I'm still missing some of the lyrics. Exactly. You don't care. You don't yeah. care. It's a feeling that you felt, and that's why it made sense to not retake those. Um, <laughs> I'm aware that it's not the clearest thing ever. It's not um, the clearest, but, but it makes it fun. Like the, yeah, it does. And diction was maybe the eighth most important thing in a vocal <laughs> take to me. You know what I mean? It was like, well, okay, is it passionate? Okay, cool. Is it on pitch? Is my tone good? You know, like, yeah. There's a ton of things in the checklist before. Wait, do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so the lyrics are, I'm not desperate for you. I'm not waiting for your love. And I think that part's really clear, but it's yeah. like the back half of it. Nope. 
for some reason. And someone even like put up a lyric video and didn't know they they like wrote it wrong or something. <laughs> That's funny. Um, but the back half is I can't be the one to carry it all. It's not you. I'm not ready to love. See, I got um, I got the carry it all line. It's the next one that I was like I was like trying to figure out. I had so many different ones in my head and none of them were that. And after you told me, I was like, Oh, that makes so much more sense because I was just like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, is um, he saying it's actually, yeah, it's weird. So where does it come from? And tell me a little bit about it. So writing this song was real cool. Um, like I said, we were living in this house, two story house, uh, in North Texas and me, Jordan and Josh all worked at this Marina and we kind of did nothing there. I mean, we had a sweet job. We kind of did nothing all day. And uh, one of us would work there at a time, and I had been gone like 16 hours, and I came home. And they're like, hey, man, we wrote a song. And they played through it, and they looked at me, and I was like, it's perfect. Literally, we're changing nothing. I was like, record this right now. I mean, we had the drums constantly mic'd, so we could just hit record. And they recorded it that night, and they had no vocals to it. I, I always write our singing parts. So I was like, let me take a shot of this. And the next day, I had to work at the marina again. And I'm in this booth, like this 8 by 8 booth, where I could totally just sing. So I just recorded vocals, and... It was the first thing I thought of, like literally the first thing I thought of, the scratch vocal check, and I sent it to them in a text message, and they were like, nope, that's it, changed nothing, the lyrics are so cool, they loved it. Um, the idea of it's not you, I'm not ready to love, I think that's something that's really relatable to a lot of people that I haven't really heard in a song. Um, you've probably been there with someone before where you're like, this is an awesome person, and I love what we're doing, but I don't see myself loving them because I'm not, I'm not there yet, yeah, I can't yeah. for whatever reason, you still have baggage or whatever. There's a million reasons why I could be that, but it just felt like something that people could relate to and something that was honest, something that I felt. And, and that comes through and you touch on this, your vocals. And I think it, part of what really sells songs like that. And a lot of your material is that you like to have like this big, almost aggressive vocal style that I really love. Cause you can hear you straining your voice at times like you leave that in the take and i think that that makes the music kind of cement the emotion behind it because you're like holy shit this guy is like killing himself to get these lines out of his body that's the whole point yeah and i am <laughs> <laughs> i've seen you do it <laughs> yeah. uh, um but that so that leads me to my next the next thing on the ep i want to talk about is june because it's almost the opposite of that where you're like yeah. as restrained as i've probably ever heard you Okay. Is that is that different for you? Is that more difficult for you to do the softer than the big and bold? No. 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 Um, <laughs> and in a weird way, it's the same. It's just listening to your inner voice and 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 you know, singing is as much mental as it is anything else. Um, I feel like it's like maybe ten percent your lungs, ten percent your vocal cords, and you know eighty percent your heart and your head, and just like really trying to get across how you feel. And it's the same thing as screaming loud or yelling, you know, high notes. It's, it's just conveying what you really feel. And I don't know if it's any harder or anything. It's just uh, being honest with yourself and, and just trying to get it across to other people. Um, so, but yeah, I'm glad you noticed that because that's, that's another point where I was saying, you know, we tried our hardest to write a versatile album and, you know, maybe there are people that, that wouldn't like see me to sleep, but that we could hear June and say, okay, I like his voice here. Um, we're kind of band where you could like my voice in some songs, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a little something for everybody. Yeah, exactly. 
well, we should talk about the live show briefly. I know you guys will be doing more of that in the next year, and I'm excited for people to see you because I've always thought that even if they haven't heard, you guys have a live show that sells your music without even before you guys retooled it because apparently you retooled it a bit. But you guys have we always did. had a live show that like anyone that I know that saw you would walk away and be like they would remember your set. Like that used to be what I thought you guys almost made a priority in the live show. Would be like, well, if nothing else, they'll remember seeing us. Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly kind of what the mentality was. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that we love playing live, you know, it's, mm-hmm. every any show could be your last, and it's you know you try and leave it all on the stage. It's been said by a lot of different artists, a lot of different bands, but um, and we're not the first band to do it. Oh no, you know, everybody will tell you that. There's so many bands that will throw a microphone or hang upside down or jump into a drum set or all of those you, things. You know, jump into the crowd. There's so many bands that do it, but it's it's cool every time because. They mean it every time. They love what they're doing, and they're happy to be up there. And as long as it's honest, it's fucking cool every time. Like, that's how I really feel. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's that's part of what initially drew me to you guys, and it's it brought you a lot of attention early on. I think it's interesting because a lot of bands, they sound really great live, but they don't have the energy to match it, and you guys almost seem like you went around it the opposite, where you had energy was no problem, but then you were like, we've got to like work on the quality of our performance. Yeah, no, that's exactly true. That's exactly true. And that was a conversation that we had just as well as any other conversation. It goes back to just being able to talk to our band and say, guys, our, week, our live show is our weakest, our weakest you know, asset as a band. Let's tighten it up. And, and everybody working towards the same goal, you know? Yeah, it's just what, what, what impresses me is that you came to that conclusion because I've seen how people react to you who've never seen you before. So I think it would have been very easy for you to be like, well, maybe we don't play tight live, but people love the live show. People love the physicality of the live show, so it's working. But you saw it enough to be like, no, we have to, we have to do better than we are because it works, but it's not like the full package yet. It just felt like, um, as a band, we try to not listen too much of the noise of others. You know, if people are saying, what, what you're doing is great, what you're doing is awesome, um, like that's, it goes to our hearts and we appreciate that, but we listen to our own voice. And if we're not happy with what we're doing it, we're not going to, if we think it could be better, we're going to make it better. And that's where that, so that's exactly where that came from. It was like, well, I wasn't happy with it. So it, you know, it wasn't, wasn't going to fly. Um, last one thing we did have a twitter question i got today that i thought that made me chuckle a little bit um somebody (laughs) somebody was like ask ask evan how it felt when he uh when when the band decided to do a a, like a style change which i love i love when you guys announced epitaph and you you cut your hair and i was was just like oh they they got the clean shaven look going for this release and i like that and i thought it was a funny tweet because i think it goes back to like you guys did this album and then you kind of laid low on new music for a while so people kind of only saw you guys in their heads is like so this is like this way. is something great too that I haven't had a vessel to talk about. It probably looks like we got a record deal and they hooked us up with Kellen Quinn. They told us to get haircuts and change our style and change it, change our sound. None of that happened. Um, you have to remember there was two years here where I felt like I was turning into the person that I wanted to be and yeah. growing up. And that, I got a haircut before Evitev even knew who I was. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's, we're not it's, on no level is this band manufactured. Um, I've seen manufactured bands. I know what a manufactured band is and what they look like. This is the fucking opposite. Um, <laughs> I like and that. it's why we sit with Epitaph. They're you know they're a punk rock record label, and they get that. Um, but yeah, the the haircut thing was just me realizing I'm you know I'm growing up, man. Like I said, I'm 27, yeah. not 19 anymore, and um, you know it's just always in my face. And it's annoying. So <laughs> <And the kind> of, <laughs> I just but, turned 28. Uh, I understand, man. I feel the pain. 
know. God, where did the time go, man? Yeah, we're getting old. That's fine. But I think that I think you make a good point. Like it would be easy for people to draw that conclusion, which is kind of why I brought it up because I've known that you had your hair cut, but when I see when you see it presented the way it is, it's just like it's it's weird for people that have supported the band before because anytime a band gets signed to a label like Epitaph, there is like a there is a reintroduction period that for ninety yeah. percent of people is just an introduction period. Like that's exactly that's yeah, who you really are. Well, yeah. And there's this very small niche that's like they love you enough to follow you anywhere, but at the same moment, as a fan, you have that moment where you're like, "Well, this it is different. Like the music sounds different. They yeah. look different. Yeah. What like what did they sell their souls?" Uh. Yeah. No, yeah, we didn't. It really that decision came from me and just growing up, just growing up a little bit, you know. And I think even if people maybe don't understand it or agree with it right now, they'll get it one day when it happens to them, you know. And, and that's fine. It's just part of it, man. It's just part of the story. But. Yeah, on no means was it like the label saying go get haircuts or something, you know? Um, that would have been hilarious. Not, and, and like, I don't think of us as clean guys. Like, Josh is covered in tattoos, and, um, you know, we're grimy dudes that will live in a band 12 out of 12 months a year. Like, so, I mean, we're, it's punk rock's a mentality, I think, and that's why we do so in that label. I think gro- part a big part of growing up is learning what that means that punk rock is a mentality. Like that's something you oh, have, yeah. you that's like a post 25 realization where you're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah I, I can still be that person, but I don't have to like look like I'm 19 anymore." I don't have to fit into a a box or label and and truthfully I'm just the whole point of this band from our first song who I am, it's been a search for identity and being able to say I don't need to look like Kelly Quinn, even though I love him. You don't need to look like Ronnie Rack. You don't need to have long hair um, to be a, a singer of a band. I don't need to have it be black. I don't need to fit a box. I can be Evan, and people will get it, and that will feel infinitely better when they do get it. Um, that's a realization that you can't buy with money. It's something you get with time and, and life experience. And It's been an awesome ride, man. Yeah, well, definitely, man. Well, let's let's. I know we can't talk much about the future because you guys haven't announced anything for the new year yet, really. Uh, (laughs) But in vague terms, when do you think we will see you actually get out there on the road? Spring? It's hard to say. It's it's just hard to say. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts and a lot of things up in the air right now. From our end, it feels I could be asking the same question. You know what I mean? It's a lot (laughs) of like hope that goes through. I hope that works, but. The point, the point is, the bigger bigger picture is we do hit the road this year. Um, we have things in works, and we will definitely be seeing our fans this year. It's overdue, and uh, I hate having to apologize to our fans. I'm sorry it's taken so long. It will be worth the wait, though. I cannot wait to see them and just meet these people, just talk to these people. People that get our band are my favorite people. Because like, <laughs> you, know, like, you have a connection with these strangers. Yeah, yeah no, totally. music connected you. That's all, that's all Avion Row is. We're four music fans. Definitely. You know? That's how yeah. we started it. We just love music. You love music, yeah, and it's it's got you this far. Yeah, yeah, it has. I'm excited to see how you bring this bring these new material this new material to the live show. Just knowing how you guys work as a band live, I'd like I'm excited to see how songs like Into the Rest play in like a live crowd. And I'm sad I haven't yet. <laughs> it's beautiful um, being able to do that because we played. You know, like I said, we've been playing some Dallas shows, and it's so beautiful, man. Cause someone that's never heard our band can get up there and go, ah, ah <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Another lyric. And, um, and that's a good feeling to have just a lyric that people can, or not a lyric, but a song that people can sing along with no matter what. And a lot of the songs kind of become that as you're watching, you know, you, there's a, there's a little bit of a, an Avion Row formula to a song. And while watching it live, you can 
that you know you can guess the formula and you can be be part of the movement with us and i love that about our band so if we have this conversation uh this day next year like what what do you have what do you hope will have happened in your like first like real year as a signed epitaph band you get the album out there you're going to tour what what do you hope like you can talk about at the end of next year like what are you hoping to accomplish i think it's important in life or in anything you do but especially for me in this band to manage expectations and to have realistic goals and we've surpassed so many of the goals that I've set for us that in this next year, my only goal, truthfully, I don't know, you know, in a year, my, no one, maybe no one cares about us. I have no idea. But next year I want to travel with my friends and I want to meet people that connect with our music and I want to play it for them. And I want them to leave the show feeling like, fuck that band was good. <laughs> God, and they're cool. You know, like that's, that's what I want people to leave because that's how I left shows. Yeah. And I want to just pass it on to the new kids, the new people, the new fans. I want to pass that on. What's the point, you know? And then maybe they'll start a band. Maybe they'll want to do it. I'm, what, what more could you really ask for without sounding like an egotistic jerk? <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it, man. Make me happy. Yeah, well, you know, I, I I'm happy to hear that, man. You you've always had a level head on your shoulders. Everyone in the band does, but you you you've uh, you have the experience that you've always been able to have like very honest conversations about how the industry works. And I appreciate it because like that's what I hope to accomplish with this podcast. A lot of the time is to let people kind of see like the other side of the industry that they don't get to yeah. see. And you guys are in the perfect place because we haven't really done an episode like this where it's like you know you're a band that had this big push in the fall and then you kind of lay low and like that's typical but for people outside of music or your fans like they don't understand all the time that that's just that's just how the industry works like that's such a crappy excuse but it's that's legitimately the only one you can give is like that's just it really is yeah it's just how it works it. i hate the word excuse but <laughs> it's the reality the reality you know the reality of it is that when you get to this level some things are just out of your control yeah. But they have to, like, yeah. that's for the best. It has ultimately. to be. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, we signed it away. It's that, like, we're working with somebody else who understands this other side better than we do or can navigate it better than we do. Yeah. That's awesome, man. And I'm glad that you're so stoked on it. And I know I know Nick is stoked on it, and I'm sure the rest of the guys are as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are, man. Um and you know, I thank you for coming on the show today, dude. We, I think we've covered like I think we've covered all of your life except for your life before Red Car Wire, which would just be like high school. So I think we're good. We There's can do not that. much to tell. We'll save it for another day. <laughs> One day we'll break down the timing video from Red oh, Car God. Wire. We'll just walk through it together, like what happened, what yeah, what could. you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely I watched, a different name. I watched it the other day. It has like four hundred thousand plays on YouTube. It's in, it's incredible that it's it's awesome. People seem to still be yeah. discovering that band. <laughs> You'd be shocked how many people bring that up, and I'm like, "Where were you when we were playing shows?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. No, I anyway, love it. This has been a blast, man. Really, truthfully, just one of the most like wall-breaking interviews I've done. I loved it. I always love talking to you, man. And if you don't know any of the other lyrics, you know, you can just text me or call me, and I'll, I'll let you know. Well, will. will. And if anyone listening to the podcast has a question about any Abby and Row lyrics, you can tweet at either Evan or myself or the podcast Inside Music Pod and. I will. I will make sure Evan answers it for you. Don't be ashamed. I. I had no shame in asking him. I was just like, "What? What the hell are you saying in this moment?" Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. But I appreciate you doing this with me. Doing this, man. I hope that we can do it again next year. Hopefully, do it before next year. Like maybe when yeah, yeah, when when there's an announcement for the album release, let's do it. Like let's talk let's about the it, record. Yeah. Okay. Well, I Pretty think cool. I think we're set, man. You have any like final things you want to send off to listeners before we sign off? 
man, from the bottom of my heart to everybody that's been supporting us, new fans and old, thank you all so much for the support. It truly means the world to me. Like, uh, to you, it's just a tweet or a, you know, a Facebook message, but it's, they stay with us and they help us to keep writing and to keep moving forward. And uh, thank you for that. And if you don't follow our band on Twitter, go do that at Avion Row um, and all the social networks. And if you don't know how to say our band's name, it's Avion, not Avion, Avion Row. And thanks so much for having me on, man. No problem, man. You're all set. You go enjoy that Texas heat, and I will enjoy the Boston snow. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Talk to you later, brother. Bye.